This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hi, <laughs> It's weird with you with sitting here. I'm in the same space. I feel like, boo. I can't. Last time we were in the same space, we were at Neo Modern, I guess. That's true. A year, That's true. A year and a half ago, maybe. That was the obscene. So everyone, if you're just, you know, paying attention to our story here, uh, Suzanne is in New Mexico. I am. It is beautiful and amazing. I've gotten to see more of the pictures from the collection up close, and I find them quite moving. Moving. I'm actually, I can't, yeah, I feel like we need to plan all these different exhibitions that you can, like the Einstein <laughs> exhibition, all these things coming up that oh, you yeah. could do, really cover and do shows on. It's fun, well, it's, it's sort of, you know, now that everything's here, it sort of begs the question, like, now what? Now what, right? Like, what? how do I share this in the, the best way and integrate it into the training stuff? Um but, so anyway, so you got here a little bit ago, and uh, we've gone for a bunch of hikes up in the Aspens. I do. I feel like we've done photo walks. We've done hikes. We've done relaxation. It's like team building. It was. It was. <laughs> well, it was sort of the retreat for the podcast. It was for exactly. the podcast. You know, we needed a, <laughs> a, a podcast retreat just to kind of get our bearings. Next in. year, we'll take listeners. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Um, so I don't know. I just thought we it, like it's been a while since we did did anything. It's true. You, I think it's because you've been busy. Oh, I, I'm getting I, the blame for yeah, this one. <laughs> I, think, I think you've just been super busy. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take a little bit of that. But you were moving. I was you, know, you were moving the photo yeah. collection cross country. I, I feel like yeah. it might be a joint effort in our slightly extended absenteeism. Yes. But we're back. <clears> and we're better back. than ever. And um, I, got in a, person. I have another workshop coming up, I think, in December. We're going to see if we can get one more in before the year ends. And what is the theme of this workshop? Well, okay, so here's... Here's something that's on my mind. Like the workshop, this is another Santa Fe workshop in, um, well, what I've been teaching is this photographic haiku, and mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time. And we met Lisa Castor on a hike who was familiar with your <laughs> haiku class, and I, I hope she listens and hears her, vo- her oh. name mentioned that she should take the class. And you should bump into us when we're out hiking. Exactly. Because you never yes. know what's going to get a mention on the... <laughs> On the inter- internet, in front of an international stage. <laughs> on the interwebs. Yes. So, um, I mean, I like the idea of teaching the, the, the calling it a haiku mm-hmm. because it's how I do it. And, and I, the course is completely, I don't know, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. But I had this sort of thought that maybe the people who take the class often are interested in the Zen arts. You know, they have some nascent uh, curiosity, predisposition. <laughs> and so... Most of them tend to be happy about the class, but there's always someone who knows a ton about something and finds this uh, a very uh, irregular way to apply Zen teachings. Okay. And and I'm not a, a Zen master of any kind, so it's weird to be teaching a class in Zen anything. Through the lens of Zen. I mean... The Zen lens. I think... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it sounded funny. Yeah. Zen lens. Zen lens. Zen, Zen lens. Zen's lens. We can cut this part out. <laughs> no, I'm not cutting this out. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, so in a, in a case could be made that you just don't 
tell people what the principles you're teaching are. It doesn't matter really. Uh, I'm not, people I hope are not taking it because of the Zen aspect. They're taking it for the photographic side. So maybe you just call it, you know, a, a composition workshop, a, a composition in the real world sort of, mm-hmm. you know, so. How, it's like marketing. I mean, how do you stand out from all the other amazing courses that are being taught that's true. at San Francisco, at uh, San Fe workshops? I don't know that people teach composition because part of the reason that I developed all this stuff was that I was unhappy with the way I thought composition was being taught. They sort of throw it out there with rule of thirds and leading lines and let it go. And I kind of think there's, I would, obviously I would do it a different way. There's another, uh, another friend of mine has proposed kind of even taking that one step further and not, not only not talking about the Zen arts, not talking about composition and photography, Mm -hmm. but doing it as a course in how to see. I like that. You know, uh, I think it was Dorothea Lang has that famous quote, which is, uh, a camera is an instrument that helps you to see without a camera. Mm -hmm. And so this is a class that's about helping you to see without a camera, but we use a camera as part of the process to help you to learn how to see. And I think the curriculum is, in all three cases, is the same. It's just, you know, we would call this a positioning exercise, I think. Yeah. But I'm not sure exactly what to do about it. And I don't know if anyone listening to this has any thoughts on any of these three paths of how to how, how to make the content more accessible to people. That yeah. people, Because it is possible that people aren't going to... Uh, the people who are, are not interested in Zen arts are going to just skip over it, even though they're very interested in making better pictures or right. something like that. So you'd be... You'd be teaching the same sort of... You'd be using the Zen lens for wow. all the classes. I'm just going to keep going. got it in there. You're going to do that. Um, all the, like for all the classes, but you'd just be sort of positioning it differently. So Kind of. How I, you actually, talk about I, it. I like yeah. that because I think people that are coming in with maybe on your first pass when you've offered this, they you've already gotten the kind of the demographic that's really interested in Zen mm-hmm. and swept them out of the way. But I think everyone is interested in taking better photos. I mean, actually, what's really interesting is... We, you have this amazing aspen tree in your backyard. And it's like, you have beautiful aspen trees in the front yard, but it's like there's this one in the backyard that is particularly golden and stunning. And it catches the light at you know a couple times during the day and you just can't help but find yourself staring at it. And you look at it with your eyes and it's stunning and beautiful, but then you try to take a picture and I was using my iPhone because that's really what I use. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, on previous episodes, we've discussed where I have sort of stalled out on taking pictures. I just, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, but I just, I wasn't really able to understand why it wasn't sort of clicking, excuse the pun. But But when mm. I used, you gave me your camera and I was looking through your camera and seeing it in a whole new way. I finally understood all of these things that you'd been talking about, about framing and stopping and seeing the moment and I could adjust things without getting too technical but adjusting like the the f-stop or adjusting like how much light was coming in and then that moment of after I took the picture I had this immediate like recognition of like a flash of what I took a picture of like mm-hmm. oh you know, I didn't get it or I got it or oh oh I could be better whereas like an iPhone you're shooting in the dark it's trial and error you only understand what you've done when you look back at all of the pictures and then it's hard to remember it's a little late it's late it's, it's, it's too late at the moment yeah it's funny you say that because i've i've bumped into the settings on my phone it's a setting in at least in the um the fuji xt2 my camera mm-hmm. that says when you've taken the picture leave it on the screen for one second. second four seconds yeah. like it has a, a couple yeah. of timings 
And I've discovered that that amount of time is critical. If it's zero, I feel like I almost can't take a picture. Really? And if it's four seconds, it's, it's way, way too long. Too long. Yeah. Like I, and it, you just really need just to see, yeah. you need to extend the moment that you thought you were taking the picture to see if that is in fact correct. Yeah. And you're right, the phone doesn't have that, at least as far as I know. I mean, people who I really respect, David Kennerly, let's mm-hmm. say, who's a famous photojournalist, really has embraced the iPhone for taking photography. And mm-hmm. I and we would agree that like if it's the camera that is best is the camera you have yeah. with you. But and, he's already learned to see. He always already learned like what this can do. He doesn't need it's like target practice. Like if you're learning to shoot an arrow, bow and arrow or something, and then you actually never see the target, you just get it like two days later mm-hmm. and you're like, oh I got two in. You have no idea what two right. of those are. Right. Whereas so he spent his life knowing that, like, practicing, like, getting on target, getting on target. He's learned how to see, to kind of Good extend point. your class metaphor. Sure. But hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just found that really interesting that, for me, I have stalled out on this process. And I think it's because I'm actually, my tools are limited. That what? I need, I needed uh. to, like, if I really want to get better at seeing, I can keep doing this and trudging with the iPhone. On. Yeah, uh-huh. but it's slow, and it doesn't give me that feedback that is actually going to help me grow. That's that's interesting. I mean, I, I want to say that you can learn photography with any camera, and the iPhone is a perfectly good one, and everyone's got one, and not to be caught up in equipment and letting that stop you from taking pictures. But even as I say all that. It, it, you're right. It's a cool feeling to have a camera, where you, a simple camera where you can adjust f-stop and shutter speed and, yeah. and dynamically and see what's happening to your picture. Yeah. And um, so that's well, that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, if you guys have thoughts on that, I'd also like to hear that. I, I mean, I, I, I want to be – there is stuff you can teach with the iPhone, obviously. What would you say? Well, I think you can teach composition if your subjects are are relatively not dynamic, maybe not like photojournalism, but if you're you have a kind of a static setup, you can take a picture. It's not going to go anywhere while you look and see if you got it. Oh, so then you take a picture, you stop, look at the photo. Yes, you would take pause a picture, and then stop, take another look at the photo. Something like that. But you have to move so much to do that. It just feels like that's what I thought was so great. I'm not discounting yeah. it. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And yeah. maybe, who knows, maybe there's actually an iPhone setting where it actually just holds that picture for an image and then I would perhaps change my mind. But I also felt mm. like just the power and the control of being able to hold the camera still and adjust the amount of light that was coming in or adjust yeah. the focus. Like that was that allowed me to test what I wanted to see and thus right. teaching myself to see what I wanted. Well, it lets you see through the volume. When you're taking a picture with the iPhone, it's... It's like a painting. It's this rectangle, and there's a scene in the rectangle, and it's pretty much all in focus. But I still see and, everything around it. Right, but if you um, are looking through a something like a DSLR, a camera, a viewfinder, a viewfinder yeah. of a camera, and you can adjust the focus and the f-stop and stuff, what you see is not a, a big screen full of stuff. It's you have a volume, you have depth, yeah. and you start to see. I'm just getting this, and that all goes away. I'm just getting this yeah. other layer that goes away, which is important in the process. So, but I'm also framing. Then I'm, I'm and you're framing. Yeah, I'm seeing and knowing what is what I have and what I don't have. Mm-hmm. I think I just felt and found that really helpful. So, in your class, mm-hmm. back to your class. Yeah, but wait, wait, because for a generation of photographers, maybe many, a couple generations mm-hmm. of photographers. They didn't have any instant anything. They didn't have it freeze there. They didn't even see the pictures for 
X days or so there is a great tradition in photography that you don't know what you're going to have. I mean, one could make, while I think it's probably easier to teach if you get faster Mm -hmm. feedback and of course it is. I think it's, yeah, just how accelerated is the learning. You're right. It's how accelerated, right. It's how accelerated is the learning. That's a good point. Um, well, cool. Well, okay. I agree. If you, if you're serious about getting into photography, once you've decided you like having an iPhone stuff, Mm -hmm. maybe it is worth getting a, 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 you know, at least a, or yeah, or is, or is there some sort of combination of things? I know you had an invention back in the day that you wanted to do with like a hoodie mm-hmm. <laughs> pulled well, yeah. up and over. Well, that was you know the funny. The other thing I don't <laughs> like about iPhone pictures is that the fa- camera's away from your face and you're looking at the image on the screen, and in most lighting conditions that's hard to do and yeah. you don't see detail. So yeah, we had joked about pulling this, <laughs> taking what were the pop socket, yeah, and pulling it over your head, and you look like those guys with the old timey cameras under the hood, exactly. And uh, you can then at least you're, there's no shot, light on your screen. Without that though, it's not gonna be. Well, the, and then I guess you really are focusing. You have a frame. It's, just, it's the viewfinder is different because, but you're at least taking the rest of the world out. Yes, yes. But again, I don't, I don't like doing that. I like sort of kind of forcing a. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, cutting out everything. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll talk a little more about that. I'd like to get you back. You took pictures a little bit on the hike with your phone, but uh, you enjoyed using, grabbing my camera. And, I did, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice way to, it's a nice way to do it. What else were we going to talk about? Um, uh, we were talking about the drawers. We, we moved oh your God. photo collection around. There's actually a really amazing time lapse, should including we, should, a small dance maybe, break. We'll post the time lapse. <laughs> you know, it was hard. There are these... Thirty drawers that have a bunch of pictures in them, and they were basically in a ridiculous order, right? N- numbered, they were not numbered one to thirty; they were numbered one to twenty, and then there was A one through A ten. Because those were new drawers that you put on top, so you yes. made a band aid instead of a bridge. I, what did I do? You made a band aid instead of a bridge. You just did a, a quick fix instead <laughs> of actually a sustainable solution. Yes, that was not a sustainable solution. But then we fixed un- it. Now it is. Yes, Ish. we sustained it. We, we made it, but it's it, we like fixed it. it's a yeah. fun game because you take out a drawer <laughs> and there's nowhere to put it, right? So you take out a drawer, get hide it, and now you have a hole in the drawers, and now you move what goes into that space, and now you've created another hole, and it's like a little game, right? It was like the, it's like the equivalent of those like sliding puzzle games, you yes, know, that you'd get yes. at like a pizza place. I'm or lousy something. at those. This was easier. It was easier than a puzzle game. I'm not very good at those. I really, think. I love those games. I actually found this incredibly fun. Like we had, I, we had. A it was fun. It was fun moving the drawers. Yeah. I agree. That was neat. And um, it was just so satisfying. And found every every picture that was pretty good. Uh, and I've got this new. I'm, I'm thinking about um, these fun pairings of pictures that I've noticed that I can do as I'm pulling things out. I notice sometimes there is a uh, a set of pictures that. Like has a commonality that would not be obvious, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and maybe it is obvious, but it was fun. The, the first one and the thing that kind of clued me into this was uh, a picture of Georgia O'Keeffe. Uh, so I'm in Santa Fe, right? So it seems yeah. like I should have a picture of Georgia O'Keeffe somewhere. Which is like that picture too is so yeah. especially beautiful. It's, it's incredible. incredible. So, so there's this beautiful portrait of Georgia O'Keeffe by this really great classic portrait photographer from the 50s named Karsh. And he shot Winston Churchill and Picasso and Giacometti. Like anyone mm-hmm. who was any, if you were cool and an artist in the in that era, the, uh, and maybe not an, just an artist, but you were a cool public figure, Karsh shot you. So there's this cool picture of O'Keeffe. And then I have this other photograph 
of Alfred Stieglitz um, taken by Ansel Adams. So in both cases, the, the portraits are by famous photographers. And then the person who's in the picture is also probably as famous as the person who's taking mm-hmm. the picture. Mm-hmm. And Stieglitz and George O'Keefe were married for a while. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the Ansel Adams picture of Stieglitz has a painting behind him. And yeah. it's one of George O'Keefe's paintings. So I thought that was kind of fun to see the Karsh and the Adams next to each other. And it was a With Stieglitz. his like thread that goes yeah. between. So do you have any other photos that you can think of that like someone in front of like a Frank Lloyd Wright building and then a picture of Frank Lloyd Wright? Or <laughs> I don't know, someone, you know, in front of an orchestra while they're playing a... Whatever you know, I guess Vivaldi's a bit out. I but like, <laughs> there's no, not a lot of photography <laughs> of that guy. Of him, not no. a lot of Vivaldi photography. Weird though, they're really. It would have been so yes, great. It would have been so cool. But I, I mean, I don't know. Like, what are other combinations I, that you, you know, can think of that you? Might I have? mean, that's the thing. I don't think I'm smart enough to think of the combinations. I'm. I'm. What I do is I notice stuff when I'm pulling things out. Okay. And sometimes there's a juxtaposition. And I think, oh, that's funny. That's. Yeah, and the, and the combinations could be. Sometimes it's father and son, Brett Weston and Ed Weston. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. and, and there's things that maybe they both shot. And so you see a father and a son's perspective on something. Or, or there might be multiple pictures of the same thing in different moments in time by different great photographers. Mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, how O'Keefe and Adams both spent a lot of artistic time at this church in Taos. Is that Mexico. the big blocky brown? Yeah, it's a big okay. blocky brown, smooth. Yeah. It's, um, I can't remember, the, it's like St. Francis of Assisi or some, I, I, I can't remember whose church it is. Anyway, it's in Taos and and Georgia O'Keeffe painted it, Ansel Adams shot it. Mm-hmm. But I have this other um, photograph of it by Kenro Izu, who mm-hmm. I've maybe talked about before. I love his work. He, you know, he often just sh- smears you know, emulsion on a piece of paper and shoots beautiful print of, you know, What does fr- that do fruit. to do that? Well, you're, you're, instead of getting pre-made paper, you can put this, the light-sensitive chemistry, just a, apply it to a piece of paper. Oh, and he doesn't spread it evenly. He sort of does this like a brush stroke. So yeah, so it has, sort of so the edges it. of it are, oh, are kind of funky cool. and cool. Huh. I haven't understood, you know, the they're matted, close in so when you see them framed it looks very clean like a picture yeah. would but if you lift the mat you notice that it's really funkadelic under Why there you want to get credit for I, that That's i don't so know unique. i i think i would remat these so you see that edge although izu probably was responsible for the matting on some of these and maybe he chose that but huh. i don't care what he thinks i'd like to see that i mean <laughs> he's I think gone it's, now <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where he is no he's, he's still contemporary he's still alive i don't know i should I know that we might have to Who's cut that. Jason Langer was dead. So. <laughs> Jason. Sorry about that, Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You're like, I thought I only collected dead people. I thought I did collect dead people. But, you know, now that I dig through the whole stuff, there's a lot of dead people, but there's also a lot of alive people. Uh, you know, my, <laughs> Reassuring. My, my, my dad was, you know, um, often a benefactor. You know, he would find a, a young photographer and he liked their work and he would just get a ton of their stuff. And... And that was, you know, I didn't have to do with that. So I didn't know all these people. But now that I'm going through the sets, there's so many, you know, Jefferson Heyman's got stuff in there and Jason Langer and Mark Citrit and just wonderful contemporary photographers, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, 
So I'm getting more familiar with everything. And there's a ton of Czech stuff in there too, which... Well, and you found... So actually, I'm talking about the pictures you found, the Einstein pictures. Oh, yeah, So yeah. we were going through Einstein and you'd taken out four and I was... There were some... One was very famous that... Um, oh, I've definitely seen Philippe, that. But the Philippe the Paulsman is pretty famous. Yeah. And then the other ones I, I hadn't seen before. And then there was one where he's working on a chalkboard. Yes. That you... Uh, that I'd never seen. And it's not a common... It's not a well... No, so, okay. Well, backstory is only that um, my dad was super into Einstein. You know, he just liked who the guy. Isn't? Who isn't, right? <laughs> and so he, so he would find... And when he found a photograph of Einstein, he would get it. And, mm-hmm. and so we've got, a, you know, a couple dozen pictures of Einstein from his youth to, to uh, later in his life. And, and there's a Karsh of Einstein and there's this Philippe Postman famous one. Um, but uh, Roman Vishniak, who is better known for his pictures of sort of the the, the Jewish ghettos pre World War II, um, came to the United States in the '40s and looking for work, photographed like the most preeminent German Americans he could find, and he hung out with Einstein, and mm-hmm. they, I guess they hit it off. So there's these pictures of Einstein by Roman Vishniak um, in Einstein's classrooms at Princeton, mm-hmm. and there's. Just him working on chalkboards. I don't even know if people know what chalkboards are, but you know, think They're of like a whiteboard, whiteboard but, but black, but messier. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are these great pictures of Einstein working. And I have to say, I've had these, you know, these pictures have been around for, I don't know, 30, 40 years in our art collection. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever been able to figure out what was on the chalkboard. You know, he's got some sort of fancy, weird math yeah. going on there. So he phoned uh, a friend. Well, you know, showing you the pictures, of course, you know, your husband is like this amazing physicist and is connected to people who know things. Know more stuff, yeah. Know more than me, certainly. <laughs> and so anyway, the epilogue of this is that uh, Suzanne sent the picture to the group of scientists yeah. at Stanford Linear Accelerator. And, and they, they got back to they us. They got back to us with what's on the board. Yes. Uh, so Aaron Rudman was whose professor said those are Christoffel symbols, mm. tensors that are used in general relativity. And then Kevin Zhu added, the particular way that they're arranged suggests that he's probably expanding out the Riemann tensor, which I was like, I have to just look up all of those and did terms. did you look up the Riemann but tensor? I was like, but how cool? I was like, that is so cool. And now you have all this information. Yeah, so it's fun. Um, Suzanne didn't know, but like when you have this sort of ancillary data associated with classic pictures, it enters into sort of the collection along with the picture. It's like uh, Robert Frank wrote wrote us once about the, one of the Robert Frank pictures, mm-hmm. and, it, and his note was caustic and very typical Robert Frank, but you don't sell the, the photo without including the letter, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that's, that goes together. And so there's a lot of stuff like that where there's a picture that was a... Uh, a present from someone to someone else and you want to include that card or it has some context that people wouldn't know. Uh, and I'm really pleased to be able to include the mathematical So explanation. you're going to print out this screenshot yeah, yeah. from the, the Slack Slack channel, the yes. Stanford Linux Accelerator yeah. Slack channel. And I'll keep it with the Princeton <laughs> so Einstein cool. pictures. So That's anyway. really awesome. Well, they will be tickled, I'm sure. It's fun. I, I'm happy to add to the you know, you, you contribute what you can to the right? yeah. <laughs> to the, the provenance of these these things. Exactly. I love it. 
Well, mm. I've had an amazing time here in oh, Santa Fe. I'm looking forward to my next visit. It was I, good. Uh, I know you've been talking about potentially doing photo residencies Wouldn't at some point. Cool? I that think would that'd be, be. I mean, honestly, for anyone that is listening, the photographs are incredible. Like seeing, I think I could stare at them for hours, and I'm I'm sad. I'm leaving tomorrow morning, but it's neat. Uh, it the, it's to truly be with remarkable. Them. And I think that, it, and it's not incidental, but having the photo books, not just the collection of of, yeah. of prints, but having a, a pretty comprehensive library of books about the artists mm-hmm. uh, who are in the collection in particular. And there's, you know, what do we got? 50 boxes of books. Yeah. So um, th- it makes it like the perfect research library. If you're studying yeah. Cortege or you're writing a thesis on modernism or something like that, I, oh I think that this would be, be a really incredible. cool place for some sort of residency. The problem is the kitchen. I just don't know who I can share the kitchen with. But I can share it with you. But but, <laughs> but otherwise I'm glad I'm glad it was I'm glad you came out and, and helped me move the drawers and all that stuff. I guess we'll get back to zooming, zooming our zooming, zooming away. We will be picking this up, picking this up in uh, should we say two weeks? Can, can we? I'll say it. I don't Let's know what say it means, it. but uh, I don't know what that means. I think yes. it means fourteen days. Okay. All right. We can a do fortnight. that. A fortnight. We'll pick it up in a fortnight. All right. All right. Our show is recorded and produced in Santa Fe. Yes. No San Francisco in this episode. I love it. Uh, go to neomodern.com/podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. And please leave reviews and ratings, especially if you like us. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention, and we hope we've given you some things to think about 